Hi, everyone. Welcome to Millennium Live, a digital diary podcast. We sit down with the top C-suite executives and talk all things digital transformation. I'm lucky enough to be joined by Dr. Diana Burley, the Executive Director and Chair of I3P at George Washington University. Diana, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. So can you share with our audience and our members a little bit more about yourself, your work at I3P and George Washington University? Sure. Well, as you say, I am, a, I am the Executive Director of the I3P, which is a research institute. We focus on critical infrastructure protection, uh, look at a lot of questions surrounding resilience of cyber systems, uh, work in cybersecurity workforce development and education, executive education. I've been a professor at GW for about 12 years now uh, and have worked across all different sectors in terms of looking at uh, uh, government, private industry, finance sector, uh, academia, uh, looking at security issues uh, across them all. That's fantastic. And where does your passion for you know, research and education come from? Has it always been part of your DNA or did you have a certain experience that triggered it? I think it's always been a part of my DNA, but you know, my approach is a little bit different. I don't take a purely technical approach and I think that that has been my passion all along is looking at how the technology, the people and the processes before that became the term, um, but looking at how they all interact, how they push each other's levers, how people influence the systems. And so really taking that more holistic view of securing enterprises is really where my passion lies. Yeah, and how, you know, with that holistic view and, you know, through your research over the years, how have you seen, you know, the cybersecurity holistic view change? I think that there is now more of a recognition that we really need to take that holistic view, right? I mean, initially, I mean, the focus was on the technology and hoping that we could use technology to secure the systems. And then the realization came that it, no matter how much technology we have, people are still interacting with the systems and we need to think about them. Uh, and, and then looking at the processes that we put in place that sometimes cause people to, to overrun some of the technical solutions that we put into place. And so really thinking about how all three of those come together has been an emerging recognition in the industry and thinking very specifically about behavioral issues and how to change people's behavior and change organizational culture uh, is definitely something that is emerging and, and is exciting for me to, to play a role in. Fantastic. And uh, privacy and trust are top of mind for business leaders and consumers. Mm -hmm. In your opinion, what are the biggest shifts happening with how companies and their customers interact? It's a really difficult time because at the same time that we're recognizing consumers have rights and the consumers are recognizing that they have rights, we're also seeing that they want more and, and faster services, right? And, and they don't always understand the trade-offs that they're making. I think that that's one thing that companies are really struggling with is how do we at the same time provide all of these conveniences that our consumers want, protecting their privacy rights and helping them to understand understand what they are asking us to do and how we're trying to balance the capabilities with protecting their privacy rights. And, and that's a real challenge because they don't always fit together neatly. Yeah, that, that's a really good point. Where do you think privacy rights and regulations are, are heading? 
Well, we're certainly seeing more regulation, right? And so we know California in the U.S., California, we think about 13 other states already have some privacy regulations that, they're, that are on the books or about to be on the books. So we're definitely seeing more regulation as consumers become more aware of the fact that their data is out there. Um, but at the same time, what that regulation should look like and keeping pace with the amount of data that is being collected with all of these IoT devices that, that we use every day. And, and you know, we, we know that our refrigerators can tell us when we need eggs and we know how many steps we've walked and all of these things. And so it's there's so much data that it's a question of, well, how do we leverage that data, but how do we do it in a safe and secure manner such that people have control over themselves and, and their own personal data? Yeah, and whether it's your refrigerator talking to you or voice, what device that you know is an everyday device these days do you think is poses the biggest threat? Well, I won't say poses the biggest threat, but I'll say that they all pose a vulnerability, an increase in a vulnerability, right? And so I think that we just need to be aware. If you want to have a device in your home that can listen for calling, you know, to, to put on uh, music or to turn lights on or to um, do whatever you want that device to do, you have to recognize that the device is listening, right? And so data is streaming, data is being collected. And it's really just a question of, what are the ethics behind the company that is providing the, the device? What are the data processing practices, rules, regulations that they are following internally so that they can safely manage, safely store and manage your data? And, and I think the biggest vulnerability is that we as consumers don't really recognize that those vulnerabilities increase every time we bring another device online. And that's that trust piece between... Exactly, yeah. yeah. From your perspective, what is the biggest challenge facing cybersecurity executives as we head towards 2020? Goodness, the, the biggest challenge, I, I, I think they have several challenges, <laughs> right? Um, you know, one that I spend a lot of time paying attention to is, is the workforce. Uh, and, you know, but I'm going to make it a little bit broader than just the cybersecurity workforce, because certainly we know that there are a shortage of cybersecurity professionals, but it's also recognizing that the nature of work is changing, right? The future of work is changing with automation coming in and all of these different tools. And so what that means is that the workforce has to adapt. And so CEOs really have to think critically about how these technologies are impacting their workforce and the changes that have to happen. Um, the other is, uh, and I'll point to the, the culture of the organization, that is becoming an increasingly important issue for CEOs to think about, both in terms of keeping, getting and keeping their employees, but also in terms of, as we just talked about, with the data, with trust, with, with all of this, this information that they have, how are they developing the culture within their organizations to be trusted stewards of that data? Certainly regulation, particularly for global companies, you know, there, there are a lot of new regulations that are either out there or out there on the horizon. And so managing all of that is also a, a challenge. Uh, and then the final one I'll say is just the pace of change. Things are moving so rapidly in the technology space that it is really important that they get people 
on their boards, that they have people in their senior leadership that are able to help them navigate um, the very fluctuating waters ahead. Yeah, that, that, that's a really good point. And this morning, you led a fantastic uh, keynote panel discussing you know, the rise of risk compliance and audit committees on mm-hmm. the board. Mm-hmm. How has the, you know, the interaction with the board changed the role of the CISOs? So the board is becoming more aware, right? And so now it's a question of making sure that you are providing the right type of information to the board. They recognize that that security is an issue, is something that is part of their fiduciary responsibility. So it's about building relationships with those board members. It's about developing a a board education program and and I really do mean program that goes beyond putting slides in the board book four times a year right it's figuring out how to communicate the types of risks that the enterprise faces with the board so that they get an understanding of what you're facing of what your needs are and that they are receptive to the conversation with you, both in good times when you're securing the enterprise and there is no incident that you're responding to, and in bad times when there is an incident, so a breach has occurred and you have to respond and you have to report to the board, developing that relationship is is very important. Yeah, and with that relationship, you know, there's becoming a trend um, or a growing trend across companies where there's specific cyber experts, um, or at least with the knowledge on the board, who mm-hmm. can then mentor because, you know, a lot of the CISOs, it's a cry for help. Like, where do they turn to? Absolutely. Yes, boards definitely need cybersecurity experts. They need people who understand not just the technical ex- uh, aspects of cybersecurity, but how to translate how to translate those needs and those issues into the language of the business, because it's really all about making the business case for cybersecurity and for the risks that are associated with the enterprise. So they need individuals on the board who are able to, to, you know, be that liaison between the technical experts in the organization and the other members of the board and the business uh, line of business leaders something you touched upon earlier with the with the education program mm-hmm. all the employees you know and every stakeholder you know um, understanding the vulnerability as an employee that they have absolutely absolutely Cybersecurity awareness programs within the enterprise are critically important and it's particularly important and this goes back to a question that we were just talking about in terms of building the corporate culture because there's really two ways to to do cybersecurity awareness across the enterprise one is more of a compliance method right it's a check the box yeah you you watched a 10 minute video you clicked through an hour slideshow and and you did that once a year and that's that so technically you've had cybersecurity awareness training in your organization, but you really aren't doing anything to shift the corporate culture to one that strengthens the security posture of the enterprise. And so really thinking critically about those awareness programs, about how to get this information infused into people's behavior such that they change what they do every day. That's really the important piece of how to develop these programs. We've been lucky enough to have you join our assemblies a number of times. What do you find valuable about you know, being at a Millennium Alliance assembly? 
So, you know, I don't think that my value proposition is any different than the other participants. It's really all about the networking, right? It's about having the opportunity to communicate with people, to, to, to listen to the presentations, but to have the time to say, you know, I'm facing a similar challenge or recognizing that even though we might be in different industries, the essence of the challenge is still the same. And that's really the critical piece. It's, it's how do we begin to leverage each other and each other's experiences, both successes and failures to the benefit of, of our own enterprises and being able to make that case. And so for me, as someone who travels around the world and advises corporations and advises CISOs, hearing about all of these different challenges, being able to provide um, feedback and also gather input is really what makes this such a powerful opportunity for me. And what would you, what's been one thing that's, you know, you're really either going to take away or surprise you a little bit from the conversations here in Nashville this week? I think that the conversations here, you know, I mean, there, there have been a couple of folks who have talked about the fact that even in today's environment, they're still not seeing the type of support that, that they really need to have from the C-suite and from the board. And, you know, you would think that given all of the headlines, the breaches that are, you know, on the front of the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal, that the C-suites would be, be getting it. And so hearing from CISOs that, that some of them, not, not all, but, but there are still some who are still struggling to get the attention um, of the folks that hold the purse strings uh, is, is something that I, I definitely have, have, you know, taken notice of. Yeah, I think someone said it uh, yesterday, you know, the C-suite, you know, they kind of brushed the, the cyber team away until something happens. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. What's some of the benefits to you know, executives like the ones with us here in Nashville that you see working with the Millennium Alliance? So, you know, again, I, I think, you know, number one is the peer networking. Uh, you know, I think that the other piece of it is that because there is a mix of educational roundtables, vendor presentations, and peer-to-peer -peer networking, that it allows for a contextualization of the of the challenges, right? And so it's not just vendor presentations that are sitting out there uh, without context, but you really get a sense of here's how it has worked in other organizations, or you get that kind of that that back and forth conversation. That's really important. The other piece of it, and, and we were just talking about this at breakfast, is the size. The Millennium Alliance forums have, I believe, hit the sweet spot where they are large enough that you have a good mix of individuals and a good diverse set of people, but they're not so large that you're not able to really interact and engage with folks. And, and so that's the really important thing is that some of these conferences are so big that people just feel overwhelmed. They don't have an opportunity to actually engage in conversations. Um, they're, they're just too busy. And so this is small enough that you can do that, but large enough that you're able to make some really good content. What excites you about being a Millennium Alliance Advisory Board member? 
Well, I think the opportunity to shape, right? To 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 hear the feedback, to experience the the forums, and then to come back together and and begin to shape and reshape the events, to be able to be on the forefront and say, here, here are some topics that are coming down the pike that we really need to be thinking about. And it gives us an opportunity to be uh, thought leaders. You know, I mean, I'm a professor, so for me, it's all about being a thought leader, right? But being able to do that um, from the vantage point of the advisory board is very exciting. And we couldn't do it without you, so thank you. Thank you. So we're almost at the end of 2019, crazy mm -hmm. to think about. So I can't let you go without asking, as we look ahead to 2020, what is your number one prediction and uh, also your number one tip? Well, let me start with the tip because I don't, I don't know that I have a really strong prediction that'll be anything different than, than sort of what we know. But I, I think that the tip is that organizations, CISOs, CIOs really need to leverage thought leadership because it really is about finding people who are able to pull the pieces together. The world is only going to continue to become increasingly complex. Um, as we've talked about, regulations are continuing to, to pile up. Technology is continuing to change and move forward. We're not just talking about a, a very narrow swath of the workforce. It's a broad issue in the future of work. So what they really need are people who can take that step back and help them think through how to pull these pieces together in a way that allows them to communicate to the C-suite, to the board, the business case for the security enterprise within the organization. Well, that's a fantastic tip, and we appreciate everything you do. Thank you again for joining us here in Nashville and for all your support. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure to listen and subscribe to our podcast exclusively on iTunes and SoundCloud to get the inside scoop from top execs in the world of digital transformation.